Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the uh, cardinal my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna, it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. The All 22 Podcast is designated to discussing all things NFL in relation to the All 22 Fantasy Game. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Ray Cotto and Bobby Acker. And we are the co-founders of All 22. What's up, guys? Good morning, guys. One week to the NFL Draft. Let's get it. Man, best time of year. It's coming up quick. The weather's getting nice. Draft's around the corner. Can't be any better. Chris, we starting to wear a throwback gear? Is that what that is? Yeah, it's just like not doing laundry is what it is, really. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Been there. I'm going to try to make this episode a little more streamlined today. So we're going to jump right into the topic of the day today. So we hear a lot of rumblings this week about Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel potentially sitting out of camp because they want a fat paycheck. The question I'm going to ask you guys is if you had to pay one, tag one, and trade one, who are you taking in those positions? You want to start, Bobby? I know I had my hot take about Debo uh, last week, so maybe you want so, to start this one. I guess starting with, with tag one, right? Tag one, I'm, I'm, I'm going Debo. Um, I'm going Debo because it seems like once you've been in the league for just a few years now, so it seems like Really towards the end of his tenure there at the at the Niners, he seems to have really come along. So I definitely don't think he should be moving. I feel like he should know that because um, it's not a guarantee that you have a good offensive coordinator like Kyle Shanahan. So I don't know. I think I tag. I think I tag Debo for sure. Interesting. Um, I I think I would tag uh, AJ Brown. Um, I think that would be my tag. Just, just kind of looking at that offense, it, it feels like you know they're definitely not not rebuilding, right? They're kind of in a, in a win now type situation. Um, you know, you got Henry. You're not sure how much longer you know he's going to be there. The, the the look of that offense in three years is probably going to be vastly different from what it is now. And I mean, AJ is a young, very good receiver. You definitely want to would want that guy around for for many years. But depending on how the makeup of that offense evolves. Um, you know, you're just not sure how that's going to shake out, but at least for right now, you know, you have your pieces, you're going to try to make your run. Um, so I, I think, uh, if I take the other, the other approach here, I might tag, uh, AJ, at least, at least for right now. I think I'm tagging AJ as well. And the reason being is because I think that he has dealt with some injury stuff that I'm, I'm not super excited about. He's like an interesting build. He's like a big receiver and I want to make sure that he like lasts. Right. So I might say, you're playing out your rookie deal. I'm going to tag you after that. I might even tag you again instead of paying you a long-term deal because I want to make sure that he ages well. So then trade. You start All with right. this one, Ray. All right, yeah. If I'm starting with this one, um, 
It's interesting because I would, I don't want Debo to be my pay, right? Although I think it'd be an interesting play if you trade, you know, McLaurin there over in Washington since they they do need to kind of bolster that roster a bit. But I, I guess I'm, yeah, I, I guess I'm gonna trade Debo and just I don't know, rely on the creativity of of, of Shanahan. I think he's got so much stuff up his sleeve. I pretty much trust anything he does, right? And like we talked about last week, how Devo's not just this, you know, plug into any type of offense. He can do anything and beat any coverage type player. Um, you know, m- maybe you do trade him, get get even more weapons and, and a stronger roster around your young quarterback and Trey Lance and and build from there. Um, because if, if Debo really is asking for an astronomical price tag and you have to get creative in order for him to be very effective, you know, maybe trading him is the move. It's funny you mentioned tra- trading Debo. And Chris, I remember you said that you could see either the Giants or the Jets going going in on a receiver this year in, in, in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. And then now seeing that the Jets are in on – we're in on that trade for Debo, that they've made offers for Debo. Um, they were in on Tyreek Hill a few weeks ago. I think also all signs point to you being right for the Jets probably going after that that uh, that marquee receiver. Um, if I'm if I'm trading one though, I'm probably trading McLaurin for the, and for the reason that you just said, Ray. Right? I think there's a lot of holes on that uh, that Washington offense. I don't know that they believe that Carson Wentz is their guy of the future. So I, I don't know. I think I'm getting as much as I can for him right now. Um, and moving on and uh, building up that roster. I'm trading, I'm trading Debo because I think that I'm not worried about where Debo ends up and his success because if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm thinking I got the most out of Debo. It's going to take a lot of coaching and scheming for another coach to be able to have that success with Debo. So I'm going to get a first and second round pick for him. I'm going to draft his replacement maybe in the second round. I might not even have to use that first round pick to replace him. Um, and to your point, Ray, I think I can scheme a lot of the stuff with different players to replace what he was able to do for the 49ers. And then the reason I am paying Terry McLaurin is because I think he's the only person there on that team that really, on that offense, I should say, that really excites me. And from a fan base perspective, I think you need the fans to be interested in somebody there. You need somebody to root for. Terry's been that entire offense for the time that he's been there. Is it four years now? He's been all of the excitement. He's been the guy making big plays. I think they said he had, he's had eight quarterbacks in his time there. You know, I, I think that's a guy you build around. He's obviously shown that he's committed to that team. I think the team needs to show the commitment to him. I, I just want to see him with a good quarterback. You know, get, get this guy a really good quarterback. I'd just love to see him flourish. He, he deserves one. You know, we, we always talk about Allen Robinson and how he's never had a good quarterback like in his entire life. And, um, you know, at least in his NFL life, McLaurin's been the same way, right? Let's get him a good quarterback and see what he can do. Can you imagine how much scarier he would be with a better yeah. quarterback, one <laughs> of the top guys <laughs> in the league? It'd be insane. If uh, I'm the Giants or the Jets, I'm offering a lot to go get Terry McLaurin. I'm offering a lot. I think you have to offer even a lot more than that if you're the Giants trading in your division. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. True. That won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we talk about signing guys, right? It's the last one. Uh, honestly, I think you guys made good points about AJ Brown being tagged. I still tag Debo also, so I'm not signing any of these guys. Wow. Wow. 
Very hot it's, take. I can't. Yeah, and it's funny. I can't strongly disagree though, because it's like that's that's kind of where my where I ended up when giving my explanations. Right? It's like, you know, hey, it's it's not that I wouldn't love to sign someone like McLaurin long term, but based on that team's needs, is it best for them to maybe move him and get a bunch of pieces because they need a bunch of pieces and they can't fix that with, you know, just your standard allotment of draft picks moving forward. Especially when one that that biggest need is quarterback. So I, I agree. Cool. All right. Well, the topic of the day, uh, we're gonna talk about defensive players. Last week we talked about we talked about the top five uh, scoring offensive players from the twenty twenty one season. This week we're gonna talk about the same thing, which is on the defensive side. Um, and we're gonna start with edge as our most valuable position with a weight of six point zero three. Um, and at the top of that list is list is a guy uh, that we all kind of root for, right? Uh, Max Crosby, guy that's dealt with drug issues, um, you know, was a was a late pick. Uh, somebody that you know, I think the Raiders fan base should be so excited about. Uh, what do you guys think about him finishing there? I guess just the start, right? He's still such a young dude. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Um, I think it's just the start. I think if he's not one next year, he'll he'll be damn close to it. Um, if you look at that AFC West division, I think, I think they're going to be throwing the ball probably 40 times a game. That's probably safe to assume that. So, yeah, I think we'll see him right back there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's always tough to finish number one, you know, in back-to-back years at your position, but he's definitely solidified himself as, as a top guy, uh, gets a ton of pressures. And, you know, I think it's just a start, like Bobby said. When we, when we look at the edge position, it's hard not to have the conversation about positional evolution. The edge position is one that when we were growing up wasn't talked about the way it is now. Like there wasn't the depth. It, it wasn't the highlight of a defense. It was really like linebacker and corner. You know, we had like guys like Brian Urlacher and Zach Thomas and Ray Lewis that were tearing up defense, uh, tearing up offenses. Now it's kind of, we, we switched that conversation. Now we're talking about edges a lot. It's probably the deepest position, maybe outside of quarterback in the entire NFL. And I actually like love the way that the position ended up last year because we had a third round pick. We had a couple top picks. We had, you know, like a, like a career uh, great grader in Cam Jordan. And then a guy that like resurrected his career in Shaquille Barrett. Um, Where do you guys see the edge position going? Uh, It is pretty deep, right? And we just saw, um, we just saw Denzel Ward get get paid, right? And I and I, well, I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but you start to see one position that's not so deep get paid at the top end, right? And now you're seeing edge rushers who are so deep. If you add to one position, are you taking away from others? And what other positions are you taking away from? Is edge part of that conversation because it's so deep there, you know? I don't want to say a dime a dozen. It, it's not because, you know, those, those elite guys, those top three guys, tough to find, right? But getting guys that grade consistently in the 80s, you know, that's, that's like, like you're saying, Chris, not so rare to find. So I'm wondering if, you know, if that does affect their pay at the end of the day. I, I think it's possible. Um, I also think, you know, maybe it's just a matter of timing, right? I'm, I'm not sure we've seen any huge – premier defensive ends or edge rushers hit free agency, you know, this year, like we have with, um, or even just, you know, get traded like some of the receivers that, 
you know, they obviously exploded that market. Um, but I do think if, you know, when that time comes, given that they affect the past so, you know, so heavily and the league is all about being able to, you know, move the ball through the air and then obviously stop the pass on defense. I do think when it's their time and they have, you know, their, their moment in the sun, as far as, you know, the cycle of payment is concerned, I think they'll still end up being a premier position as they are now. Um, you know, may it dip slightly possibly, mm-hmm. but I, I don't, I don't see them being knocked down a tier as far as position value is concerned uh, as we move forward. So it's, it's definitely deep, but I think it's deep because the NFL just needs so many. There's so many that are in demand and will continue to be. Well, there, speaking of how deep it was, there are three guys that I think we all would think would be on the list next year and TJ Watt, Joey Bosa and Chase Young. Is there any other guys that you think should deserve to be on this list in the next couple of years? Daniil Hunter, 100%. Um, obviously missed all 2020 with his, his neck injury, but in 2019, he was off the charts. Um, he had three games in the 90s, um, graded 80-plus um, throughout the season. He's still just 27 years old. Last season, he had another really good season, again, marred by some injuries. But I think if he stays healthy, he's part of a disruptive off- uh, defensive line already with Harrison Phillips, um, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then um, Zadarius Smith on the other side of them. I think it's just a matter of staying healthy for Daniel Hunter. I absolutely love that answer. <clears throat> Daniel Hunter was actually my first non-quarterback draft pick in any All-22 league uh, when we started this up. And then, you know, he faced injuries for, for quite a while there. So uh, it hurts a little bit, or it did hurt to to see that happen. But I do think, yes, if he's on the mend, that's, that's a great pick. Uh, I'll go with someone who I think can definitely ascend into this list, um, you know, either next year or within the next couple of years. And that's Adafi Owe, right? When he was drafted at the end of the first last year, um, you know, he has all the tools, all the athleticism. You look at his spider chart, it's just ridiculous. Um, everyone knows he he has the physical ability. He went into a great organization in the Ravens who always, you know, they get the best out of their players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I think he's going to, you know, continue to grow. Um, you know, given he's in a good environment to to tap into that potential, I, I could definitely see him, um, you know, as far as of the young edge rushers in the league right now, um, you know, he could ascend into that role or into that list. What school did he go to? Oh, he, he went to the the Penn State yeah, University, Nittany Lions. Homer. Yeah. Is there, any edges, the world. is there any edges from this draft that we think will end up on this list? Not named Aiden Hutchinson. This edge class is unique, right? We, we talked about it a little bit. I think if you mentioned any of the top six guys and said, hey, this one is actually going to be the, the best edge rusher to come out of this class when you look back in three years, it wouldn't be terribly shocking, right? If you said, hey, Jermaine Johnson actually turned out to be the best one. You know, it, maybe it's a slight surprise, but it's it wouldn't be, you know, terribly shocking. Um, so, if you, again, if you're taking away uh, Hutchinson and, and Thibodeau, maybe I will go. Jermaine Johnson, I think, you know, he's, he's not listed with the top guys because he does have a tendency to, to disappear for, for a while, but if he can get more consistent and flash more consistently with that, you know, natural athleticism that he does have and his ability, I could see him among the top guys, you know, when you look back, you know, maybe not next year, maybe not even in year two, but maybe three years from now when he's still a young player, but starting to settle into his own, you know, I, I could see him being up there. 
I think both are good answers. I, I would maybe take Nick Benito just from a production standpoint. He was, he's really been my favorite. Ray, I know we disagree on that, but um, he, he would probably be my guy. Save it for another time. But <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So jumping into defensive interiors, uh, we, we're living in the Aaron Donald era, right? PFF posted the other day that Donald has been the best, highest-scoring defensive player in every single year uh, for the last five years. He had a 94.4, 94.8, 93.6, 94.5, and a 93.5 season grade the last five years. When does this end, guys? And when it ends, who's overtaking him? I'm not going to be the guy to. I'm not going to be the guy to predict when it ends. I just I, I can't. <laughs> it's just gonna. It's like when Tom Brady was 38 years old. And you're like, oh yeah, he's maybe got one more year left. You know, he can't hold this up forever. And then here you are, like you know, seven years later or whatever it is, and he's still just you know playing at the top of his game. So. I have no clue when the heck it's going to end. Um, but, you know, I, I do think, you know, as far as who can take the crown, um, you know, it's interesting. Nobody has his skill set. No one is as, you know, he's a generational talent, a true generational player at that position. That phrase gets thrown around a lot, but we truly haven't seen an Aaron Donald for at least a generation. Um, so whoever takes the crown next isn't that elite player in all facets, but, you know, someone like Christian Wilkins, I think can be that guy. We've seen some higher names um, or some bigger names, you know, enter the draft that haven't really lived up to it. I know we're going to get into that a bit, but I think Christian Wilkins, you know, is, is a great player. Um, you know, does a lot of things really well, very athletic that that whole situation there uh, in Miami, you know, continues to hopefully improve with, with more weapons, you know, new staff and so forth. Um, so I, I could see him ascending into that spot. He's young enough. He can be there for several years. So I'm going to go with Christian Wilkins as my pick. I think we, I think we talk about when it ends for, for Aaron Donald, right? And honestly, obviously we're, um, we're a dynasty platform here. And in dynasty, we always talk about how we plan for the next three to five years, right? You're, you're not looking too far ahead, um, but you look in the next three to five years. And I think, honestly, wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, Aaron Donald's still on this list for the next three to five years. So I really don't see him being devalued, devalued at this point due to his age. So still obviously the first def uh, interior defend defender off the board, in my opinion, um, and not, and, and by far, by far. Um, when he does start to come off this list though, I think you're looking at him um, right there in Jonathan Allen. I feel like that's the next guy that could come in and uh, and take over this list. Nowhere near the way that Aaron Donald has, um, but I think he'll be on this list for a long time. Ray, you mentioned a good one on Christian Wilkins. I liked his uh, his teammate over in Clemson, uh, Dexter Lawrence. I think I think he's another guy that we can see um, rising up onto this list for for the next you know few years. You guys both pointed that there really is a huge gap between Donald and the next group of guys, and he's paid accordingly. Donald is like, it almost seems like he's like buoying the positional weight for defensive interiors because he's making almost $50 million more in total on his contract than almost any other uh, defensive interior player. So, we, you know, we talk about positional evolution. Donald's deal is done in 2025. When that happens, when his deal expires, I'm sure he'll get another deal, but maybe it won't be at the same level. Do we see the defensive interior position 
you know, the weight decreasing and what position do we think is going to take those, that spot? Yeah, I think we, we touched on it before. In, in my opinion, it's, it's corner. I think, um, I think as more guys are going to ask for that Denzel Ward type contract and, and fairly so, right. Um, but I think there's going to be a, a quite a bit of a drop off that defensive interior. And I think that's where you see the difference. Um, I, we talked about maybe seeing it at edge before. I don't think you see it as much as you see the drop off that um, interior defenders. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You see what the what the NFL is paying these wide receivers and what they're asking for. You know, this off season, the corners are the guys who stop those guys, right? So you're going to want to pay up for for the guys to to stop those weapons that you're seeing make headlines and make highlights. So um, yeah, I agree. I think Corner's going to pick up the slack there, and we just saw the start of it with Denzel Ward, but there's more to come. Yeah, those are those are both good points, and I think you know on top of that the reason we're going to see this position getting devalued is because there really hasn't been a deep pool of talent coming into the NFL the past few years. The two names that were, you know, raved about as, as potential elite talents were Quinn and William and Derek Brown, and neither of them have really panned out in recent years. Uh, besides them, there, there hasn't really been anyone super exciting. Christian Barmore was the first defensive interior picked last year. It wasn't even until the second round. Yeah, Ray, what were you going to say about Christian Barmore? Uh, just, uh, yeah, just a, I don't want to slam players, you know, but it's just, <laughs> it's telling when he's the first one off the board and he's far from a complete player. I think it goes back to the point that we were discussing when talking about Aaron Donald, how he's just complete in all facets and elite in all facets. We haven't seen many of those guys come in. Even the top guys that get, you know, in these rookie classes that get drafted pretty highly, there, there's clear flaws in their game that need to be improved upon. And, um, you know, that contributes to what, what we see in that big drop-off between Donald and, and everyone else, you know, at that position. Got it. So, so we're, not talking about, um, we're not talking about any of the players in this draft being as highly touted as Quinnen or Derek Brown, but there are a couple intriguing prospects. Uh, Jordan Davis and and Wyatt are two names that come to mind. Is there anybody else that you guys are really excited about? And I want to know where you think those guys end up landing or what's the best place for them to land in this year's draft. I like, I, I love Travis Jones from UConn. Dude's a monster, 330 pounds, six foot four. Kind of like, almost looks like a little bit like Vita Bay, um, but he's ridiculous. And then you see him have his best games against a team like like Clemson. That's huge. His Clemson table is outstanding. Five pressures in that game. Um, Travis Jones, unreal. On a terrible defense, too. So I think he kind of got hidden there. But I think um, but I think we'll be surprised by uh, his production early in the NFL. I think wherever he goes, so long as he stays as a true nose tackle, he'll be fine. I think he's one of those guys that can pick on the bad group of centers that we have in the league. Um, but Travis Jones is my guy. I like him a lot. Yeah, Bobby stole my answer. If I had to pick one, it would have been Travis Jones outside of the obvious, you know, Jordan Davis. Um, you know, you mentioned Davis and Wyatt. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I did the reel about uh, Jordan Davis going to uh, the Chargers, which obviously would be a great fit given their, their outside rushers and, and so forth and allowing him to do what he does best. But, again, there's no – there aren't any complete – 
prospects at that position, even in this class. So I'm going to look at a guy who does one thing really well and see if he goes to a team that, that needs that. Right. So, you know, the, the, the chargers, you know, needed to improve their run defense last year. You plug a Jordan Davis in there, bam, that's what they're going to ask him to do. It's a great fit. You, you know, you go for it, right. Teams that need to stop the run someone who, you know, if you don't get Jordan Davis, but you, you do need have a need there in the middle to improve your run defense, you get someone like Travis Jones uh, and, you know, that, that goes a long way or even a later on. And this is going way down the list, maybe, you know, in the last couple of rounds of a startup draft, but maybe someone like John Ridgeway out of, out of uh, Arkansas, again, just a burly run stop, you know, run stopping player that if that's what you ask him to do, he's going to get the job done. And if that's all you're asking him to do, you're not putting him in positions to do more then you know, that grade might reflect that he's being asked to do what he does you know, well in. So um, I'm looking for guys like that. Uh, Devontae Wyatt is interesting to me. He obviously has the athleticism and he's, you know, a good, you know, rusher on the interior, but I think he's already 24 years old and I don't want to be like, you know, an age Karen or anything, but I do wonder how much, you know, untapped potential there is left in him or how close he is to his ceiling, given that he's, you know, he's two years older at least than most of the other players in this class. Um, you know, it's, it's just something to, to kind of keep in mind there, you know, how much is left before he actually hits his ceiling, given he's already in his mid twenties. Um, so just, just something to think about there and just, just a slight concern, right? Obviously if he checks everything else, you don't just fade a guy like that only because of his age, but something to keep in mind. So the pain in your eyes when I was giving my answer and I thought that was because you didn't like my answer. Not that we had the same one. <laughs> no, you just, you just stole all my thunder. That was just the air coming out of, you know, my balloon. Like, ah, there I'm it sorry, goes. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry, Ray. <laughs> Peter Schrager uh, had Jordan Davis in his latest mock going to the Packers at 28 and being a Packer fan, I would be ecstatic about that. We've had, a, we've had issues with our run defense for years now. Uh, it seems like, Teams just choose to run all over us. They, they don't even pass the ball as much anymore. Um, and it's been a major concern. So if that ends up happening, I think Packer fans should be extremely excited. And to raise point, it's because he does one thing w- w- really well, and that's run defense. They don't throw on you because you draft all those corners, Chris. <laughs> God, I wish I could have seen that happen. Uh, we have a good story about that. We can tell at a later time. But essentially, we went to the draft this year, and it's the Packers pick in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland picks right before the Packers. Packers are on the on the clock, and they actually shut all of the screens off and told us to go home. So I didn't get to see the <laughs> because Cleveland already picked. Shows. They figured nobody was interested in the Green Bay Packers pick. <laughs> There's just one lone Green Bay fan and Chris, and they just said, "Nope, forget you, dude. Go home." <laughs> Some people's children and families, and yeah. <laughs> nothing I'm proud I of. Think I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen you that mad. Yeah. So it, it, he was he was slightly more angry than he was when the Jaguars made the Etienne pick. So, but that that's another story for another time. So, <laughs> yeah, lost me a lot of money. That's all. All right, jumping into cornerback. So the cornerback position, Bobby touched on it a little bit before. We want to just talk briefly about Denzel Ward getting a huge contract, becoming the highest paid corner in the NFL in total salary, five hundred thousand dollars more than Jalen Ramsey. I thought it was pretty cool that Jalen Ramsey on Twitter just kind of gave a shout out to Ward. You know, I think these guys are excited for each other when, when they surpass each other because it's really about get, getting the next guy his money too. It's not just about you. Um, and I thought that was really neat. But this position we talked about being the one that we can, we can all see kind of exploding in the future. There's tons of talent 
on this list, uh, you know, young talent like an AJ Terrell and a Jalen Ramsey, but there are other guys too. You know, we saw uh, some rookies like Patrick Sertain and then some, you know, vets, but young vets like Jari Alexander just taking the next step in their careers. There's guys like JC Horn, Nate Hobbs. And then in this year's draft, we have, you know, Sauce and Stingley. Like the cornerback position has a lot to look forward to. How do you guys see this all playing out? First of all, guys, like you think, obviously I think a good corner is worth that, that money, right? We think we just talked about it before what Ray touched on with receivers being the best athletes. We just saw the track meet that was the 40 at the combine for the receivers. So you're going to need some, some pretty uh, elite athletes to keep up with these guys, right? So I do think the position is worth the money. Do you guys think that Denzel Ward is worth the money? If you look at his, his PFF grades over the last couple of years, a lot of 60s, 50s grades in there. You guys think he's worth it? I think the Browns may be structuring it in a way to where is he worth it being the top paid guy? No. But given how, you know, with the rollover in the salary cap and so forth, they've been they've been pretty creative, right? And I'm I am totally in camp the salary cap is real. But um, you know, they they've kind of structured their their contracts in a way to where, um, you know, they, they seem to have enough room to, to roll over and be able to absorb all of that while they feel they have a window here for the next few years to make a run. So no, but if I'm the, the Browns, I'm not, I'm still signing him. Basically. I, I don't think it was a bad move for, for the Browns to sign him. And if that's what it took to sign him, that's, that's fine, you know, because it, it's, it's still going to be hard to find a replacement. And if, if you're trying to win now or, you know, win over the next three years or so, you know, you don't want to take a gamble at that position. I think, I think it's um, in, Go ahead, Chris. I think it's interesting that we saw JC Jackson make significantly less money this offseason. We, everybody thought that he was going to be the guy that got the big contract and he wasn't. Instead, it was Denzel Ward. Uh, I think age matters. And I think, Denzel Ward being as young as he is, is why he got the big money because it should age well. Um, and that's why I think other guys like Jari Alexander are, are going to be in for a similar payday, even though they're not grading out as the highest graded corners on our list year over year. They're guys that are young enough to continue being consistently good for their teams. And, and, and last point too, I, I think Bobby mentioned it last week or maybe the week before corners of volatile position, right? It, it's it's extremely hard to grade consistently well, so you're going to have some of those ebbs and flows. Even Jalen Ramsey has had that over the last couple of years, and he's you know widely regarded as the top or one of the top guys at the very least. So I think taking that into account, you know, you have to you have to put your chips in on somebody. So you know, Ward's not a bad a bad player to do it. You know, to, to put those chips in for. I mentioned how bad his how not great his PFF grades are. I'm not going to say bad, but man, if there was a PFF grade for his agent, my God, through the roof. <laughs> PFF will probably have a uh, number for that soon. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be surprised. Cool. So moving on to linebacker, the next position uh, with a weight of 4.26. It was a really interesting group this year. Um, it feels like a little bit like the, similar to defensive interior, like the talent pool has been drying up over the last few years, especially with how the drafts have panned out. Uh, you know, looking at this list in particular, 
We have Campbell at the top. He was a fourth round pick. We have Wagner coming in next. He was a second round pick. Leonard behind him, second round pick. Demario Davis, third round pick. And Bobby Ukariki, a third round pick. The, one yeah. of them was a first round pick, right? But but we've seen year over year guys getting chosen in the first round. There were twelve linebackers in the last four drafts taken in the first round. One of them, Michael Parsons, has graded over a sixty last year. Only one player of the twelve first round pick linebackers has graded over sixty last year. I don't know if that's so much a result of the, the, the talent pool drying up. I just feel like that position is changing so much, right? The more we see guys like Pitts and Waller and Kittle and Kelsey, God, that's such, God, that's, that's such a tough position to play, right? And, and we are seeing it change. So if you look at all the prospects this year coming into the draft as a, as a linebacker, there's only one guy who weighs over 250 pounds in Leo Chanel who's like a true run stopper, right? Everybody else has to be like that rangy guy. We're just, I think we're just seeing the position change. And I think these are like some of like those growing pains. Yeah. The, the position's under attack. I, I forget who said it. Um, I think it was on the PFF podcast network, but that's the perfect way to just describe the, <laughs> the, the linebacker position you have. It's not that these guys don't have talent. It's just so hard with the way NFL offenses are run to grade consistently well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, you have to find that super sound guy who just kind of, you know, sees his assignment is a sure tackler and hopefully isn't asked to be a great cover guy or to line up in the slot against some of these, you know, just hybrid tight ends that can get down the field, stretch the field, go up the seam and so forth because it's hard to do that consistently well week after week, year over year. Um, it's, it's very tough. So, you know, Bobby's, you know, just throw a bunch of darts in my rookie draft strategy at that position is it makes sense because it's, it's, it's tough. Well, it's, it's, it's funny too. Sorry, Chris, but it, it's, it's funny too. Um, you look at rookies that came in last year and graded well, look at Jeremiah Usukoromoa. When he came in, he wasn't even, he wasn't even a linebacker. He was a safety, right? Completely different skill set, and yet he graded in the mid to high. Sorry, in the mid to high seventies. So I think there's there's something to be said there. Um, I, I like those guys that are super athletic, um, super rangy. I think they I think they're going to grade well at the next level. I mean, even even Michael Parsons, right? He's a freak athlete. I think that's what you have to look for at the position. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think you guys hit it on the head. So there, there have been guys that have been successful in the NFL. The crazy part is they're just not first-round picks, right? We've seen Darius Leonard, JOK, TJ Edwards, Fred Warner, Nick Bolton all have success recently, uh, and they were not first-round picks. So, Bobby, you're saying you like rangy linebackers. What is the message we want to tell all 22 players when they're looking at this position in the draft? Look for athletes. <laughs> Look for athletes, and um, I think I think one of the rookie guys that I like, just to give you an example, is Shannon Tindall. His results were off the chart at the combine, right? Had a four four seven forty. He was he was third at the combine in line with linebackers, right? Kind of got um, kind of flew under the radar because he was on such a sick Georgia defense, right? But now I think you're starting to see him make a name for himself. I think if you're drafting an all twenty two this year, that's something you have to pay attention to. 
did a 4.05 20-yard shuttle. That's ridiculous. That would have been first by far at the combine for the linebacker group. So I think those are things that you have to look for. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming N'Kobe Dean is, is off the table, right? He's a projected first-round guy or maybe very early second. Um, I did my reel on him, love his tape, love everything about him. I just think, you know, because the very top of his head is not six feet high or above, people are fading him a little bit. Um, but another guy similar to the profile that Bobby mentioned is Christian Harris out of Alabama. I think when he came into that program, he started out as a corner. Um, so, you know, he's like that six one, he's now like, you know, two twenty six ish, you know, somewhere around two thirty or less, um, you know, at that position. So he's definitely that athlete to kind of keep up with, with the, uh, you know, keep up in space with the offenses and how they're, they're being run today. Um, so he's got that athletic profile. He's got the background, the pedigree, um, you know, young prospect too. I think he might've just turned 21. Um, so I think there's some room for growth there. And again, that's what you're looking for, right? The, um, you know, who matches up well with these offenses? Who's not going to be left behind by all the speed that's on the field nowadays. So Christian Harris is another one probably going to go in the middle rounds next week in, in next week's draft. Someone you might be able to pluck late in some startup drafts at the position. I think I agree with you guys that with your initial take of try to just draft a bunch of guys and hope for the best because, I, you know, I struggled with this playing all 22 you know, I was the guy that took Isaiah Simmons, right? And I think when we talk about rangy athletic linebackers, he was kind of like the poster boy for that. And it's not a guarantee. Like, it's not a guarantee just because somebody is athletic that they're going to be able to step in and do the things that are asked of them. And I think it's pretty interesting that Isaiah Simmons hasn't really lived up to the hype, yet we see a guy like JOK doing it, like, unbelievably well as a rookie. I don't know if it's because of the guys around them in those defenses or if it's something else, but it, it is really hard to predict. And I would say definitely do your homework and uh, take as many shots as possible. It's funny you mentioned Isaiah Simmons, right? And it, when when the three of us are, were watching the draft, we said somebody's going to take him and they're going to try and do way too much with him because of his versatility, right? How many times he lined up in the slot in college, he lined up all over the place in college. And that's exactly what we saw. We saw the Cardinals take him and try to do way too much with him, and I, I think that has really hurt his grade. Not everybody's Michael Parsons. I think what Michael Parsons has done is insane, um, and I think it's more common than not that a guy can't do that. I think that's what we're seeing with Isaiah Simmons. So, so for the users and the listeners, you will sleep better at night if you are able to get Micah Parsons in your startup drafts because you're not going to sit there worrying about whether or not your linebackers are going to be basically lit on fire on Sunday <laughs> in, in keeping up with these offenses. So it, it, it does feel very good to have a lot of Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons shares. Unless the Cowboys decide to move him permanently to edge. And then you just got a, uh, an edge guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, his, he'll still be the monster, except now his position weight will be even stronger. So, yeah. <laughs> Talking Nothing about outside. JOK being a safety turn linebacker. There's a guy in this upcoming draft in Kyle Hamilton who is on the bigger end of, of the linebacker, uh, of the safety scale, but is still being considered a safety. He didn't, his combine wasn't super explosive. His 40 was a little slow. Um, but I wanted to just kind of move to safety now and talk about that position a little bit because the guys at the top, is Kevin Byard, Marcus Williams, Justin Simmons are guys that play the pass really well, not necessarily are, 
you know, the best, you know, run defenders. Where do we see the NFL going with the safety position? Do we see a Kyle, Kyle Hamilton staying at safety or moving to linebacker? And who are the guys that get paid next? Lot to throw at you. Lot to throw at you. Take a bite. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you take this one, Ray. I, I, I think Hamilton will stay at safety. Um, I think I think he's he still has enough range on the back end where he's an asset to teams. Although his best traits and his best tape is him coming forward, laying the wood, making big hits. Um, you know, he's. I still think he's valuable from his safety spot in doing that. So as long as you're not asking him to be a center field type, he's he's going to be fine. I, I think I think he stays there for sure. Um, so because you know, he's he's still good enough at that position where you don't want to teach him a new position, get him close to the line of scrimmage, maybe that run and hit, you know, kind of be a missile in in the field at the second level. You you may take some of that away from him if you get him closer to the line and bullets are moving a little faster and he's got to think a little quicker. Um, you know, he's not used to that. So I think he definitely stays there. Um, as far as who gets paid next, boy, it's interesting. Um, I'd have to look at, at some spot track numbers there to see who's, who's coming up. But the, the thing is there, it's, it's so rare to, to get that, you know, rangy center field type safety. We haven't had that in a long time. I'm not sure we see someone really break the bank at that position. I think Marcus may, may have been up for that. And then I, I know he had his injury as well. Um, you know, that you saw the Seahawks get burned by Jamal Adams and that whole deal and contract. So I think teams may be a little gun shy at the position as a whole. And given that there's no, no brainer elite types really. Um, yeah. I, I think that might be another position that's, at least as far as weight is concerned and, and the highest paid players might be on the, on the downturn. I think there's a few guys that we'll see get, get, get paid. Right. Um, I think one of the guys that's not on this list who will be um, for the next few years is Javon Holland, the guy out of, in Miami. I think we're only seeing the start to him graded almost an 85 last year. And I think that's just the start. Right. Um, so I definitely see him getting paid. We saw Jesse Bates, not last year, but the year before, also great off the charts, then had a down year. I could see him him getting paid. Um, and then uh, and, and Derwin James, obviously. I think Derwin James is, is, a, is a stud. I don't see Kyle Hamilton moving to, to, to linebacker. I think he stays where he is, but kind of like what Ray's saying, I think he compliments a center fielder. I don't think you put him in and you ask him to be the center fielder. I think that, that that's going to hurt him and hurt his grade. Where does, where does he go to do something like that? Because I think about just from a value perspective, you know, how much value is there in having your having a safety that can't be the center fielder? Is it as valuable? You know, wh where does he end up? And by the way, I thought your Jesse Bates answer, spot on. I think he's the guy as well. Um, I could see him landing in Washington. And thank, thank you for the compliment, by the way. Now it's your turn to donate. <laughs> um, I could see him landing in Washington. We saw Washington just get rid of Landon Collins because Landon Collins wasn't the guy that Kyle Hamilton is supposed to be. Um, so I think that's a good fit for him to be there and um, and be that that box safety that that uh, that they need. I'm not sure they have a center fielder, but um, you know it's been kind of brandied about. Hey, what if the what if the the Texans just go with hey best player available and Kyle Hamilton's at the top of the board, right? Teams are probably going to be running on them a lot because they're going to be up against the Texans a lot. So 
um, you know, run stopping safety against teams that are running the ball a lot against them, regardless of the scoreboard, might be a good fit for Hamilton, at least as it relates to your all 22 team. Yeah, I like that spot for him. I think a couple guys we didn't mention, Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin finished fifth on our list from last year. He's a guy that underperformed a little bit last year um, compared to the expectations. I think that entire defense did, which is a reason I would bet on him, his future going forward, because I think the defense gets better. I think he gets better. And then another guy, Winfield Jr. on the Bucks. Uh, since his rookie year, he's been grading extremely high. Uh, you know, he is kind of a center fielder type guy. Uh, I think he's going into his third year, so he's not too far away from a paycheck, especially the way people are demanding money now. It could you know, He could end up demanding it soon and, and getting paid. Uh, but I really like him, and I like his futures for your All-22 team. All right, guys. One of the, yeah, go ahead. I just want, just want to add, right, one of the, the rookies that I like coming in, Brian Cook out of Cincinnati, look out for him. That's it. What do you like about him? I don't know much about him, uh, so curious. So – He's kind of like, all right, here's what I like about him. I love hustle players, right? The guys that not only want to hit you, but they want to hurt you. And this guy's tough as Hot nails, take. right? <laughs> he want, <laughs> No, not, not like injure you, but he wants we're, to inflict pain. And that, that's the, the kind of explicit. Fo- we're going to have to put the explicit rating on this episode because of that take. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's just the type of guy in my defense that I want. Um, and I like, I like him in the second round. I could see him next to a guy like Xavier McKinney. I think he'd fit in well. All right, guys, I think that does it for today. We touched on all of the highest-scoring players from the 2021 season. Uh, we talked a little bit about drafts. We had some fun along the way. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, and if you haven't done so yet, please go to all-22.com to sign up on our landing page. We're going to have a lot of news soon about the upcoming actual release of the game where you can sign up and start creating your teams. Uh, and Guys, where can they go to get more information on that? So you can follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at all22 underscore PFF. So be sure to follow us there and share it with all your friends. Sweet. Thank you, everyone.